Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me is sports reporter Austin Huff. We're in the studio again, and we just got done watching our producer Sheila Selman bop, bebopping to our lead-in music. I mean, it's a jam. It is a jam. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I jam to it every time it comes on too. So you know, there you I, go. I, yeah, I'm in. So, Greg, how you doing today? Good, good. We're we're, we're taping on an election day. We are exciting. We are. Uh, a primary election. Primary. It's still day. an election day. It's still an election day, which means that we get free pizza. So more times than not. So. So one one or two days a year where the newsroom staff all has to work at night, which is what we do every day. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, we got to get pizza to celebrate this. And it's like, well, that's what we do all the time. So, you know, <laughs> you don't see us buying pizza every day. No, so. you don't. No. And there were actually uh, a pretty good number of people voting this morning when I went. Yeah. I was lucky. I got in early enough to where there wasn't anyone there. I got in about 9 a.m. I thought I might catch some people, but I think a lot of people probably went before that because they were going to work and they stopped mm-hmm. and I got lucky I just had to come into work at nine so that was convenient uh so yeah I actually got in and out within like five minutes I was pretty pleased yeah all things considered with the, that. uh the lady that I talked to when I was feeding my ballot into the machine there said that they had been pretty steady all morning long so that's good I mean you know obviously a lot of you know we'll, we'll talk about sports here in a minute but like obviously this is an interesting uh primary to have right now in the world with coronavirus and a lot of people mailing in ballots. So it's going to be really yeah. interesting to see how the results shake out and when we actually do know official results. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of those mail-in ballots are going to take time obviously to count. So yeah, but you know, it's good to see that everything is moving smoothly, at least as of the taping of this recording at, you know, one fifteen on a Tuesday. So right. we'll, we'll see what it's like after they get done, yes. but yeah. There was some news that came out of South Bend today with from the University of Notre Dame. Yes. Yeah. Notre Dame and Navy. No longer playing their football game in Ireland. It was originally scheduled for August 29th in Dublin, Ireland, and they will not be playing it there. Instead, they will be playing for the first time ever in Annapolis on the campus of Navy uh, at Navy's stadium. And it will be Labor Day weekend, either on the Saturday or Sunday of Labor Day weekend. They still haven't determined which day that will be. Mm. And it will be on ESPN or ABC. So the network stays the same for the game. Uh, But it will be in Annapolis. They will not be flying to Ireland. This was... The least surprising news I think I've ever seen. Right. Um, it's but, still news, but. but it's still new. Yeah, it's official now. Yeah. Uh, it's official. Uh, it was actually reported, broken by the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis, and then Notre Dame and Navy confirmed in their separate press releases right after that story broke uh, this Tuesday morning. So, like I said, I wasn't surprised by the news. Uh, but in a weird way, it creates a little bit of history as Notre Dame gets to play at Navy for the first time ever. Right. I have no idea how large a stadium Navy has, mm-hmm. but... Well, according, but from what I looked up, it's about 34,000. It seats 34,000. So, obviously, there's no word yet if fans will be able to attend this game. Uh, right. That's, that's the next thing. Right, right. The next thing is if fans will be able to attend it or not and how many. Um, I'm assuming it will probably be... A majority, majority Navy crowd, given there won't probably won't probably won't have much traveling for Notre Dame fans to go to Annapolis. I know Notre Dame fans are all over the country, but yeah. you know, um, there's, there's a pretty good 
contingent of Notre Dame fans on the East Coast. So. Right. So you saw it a couple of years ago when they played Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. It was pretty much an 85% Notre Dame crowd. Right. Uh, so if that's any tale, obviously going to be limited fan interaction probably. Even if they do play the game, there'll be limited fans if they'll them in. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I wasn't surprised and it, and now, you know, it's less travel, obviously, and, you know, you don't want to be potentially bringing coronavirus back from a place, you know, like Ireland or going to it with it and yeah. things like that. So hopefully we can play the game. And if we do, it'll be played in Annapolis. Notre Dame, you know, they've played 93 times in their history. Uh, Notre Dame's won 79 of those. So kind of a uh, one-sided rivalry, but obviously the connection with Navy in World War II is – Always there, so it's going to be on the schedule as long as Navy wants to play them. So, well, did they have? Uh, they had a really long winning streak against Navy. Forty was broken a few years ago. Yeah, like 45, 46 43, games, 44, something like that. And then dating uh, back to I think when Roger Staubach was the quarterback for the Midshipmen. Right, that's a long time ago. So you you may not even know who Roger. Staubach I know who is. Roger Staubach is. He's he, a Hall of Famer for crying out young loud. Young whippersnapper. He won Super Bowls with the Cowboys. He's a Hall of Fame <laughs> quarterback. Okay, he's one of the innovators, one of the forefathers of quarterback play in football, pro football at least. So, yeah, I know who okay. Roger Staubach is. All right, well, that's is. good. American that's... hero. Come on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, right, it's, it's, it's funny to call the series, like, competitive in the last 15 years because Notre Dame is still up, like, 12 to 3. Yeah. But in, in relative to what, what it know, was, 243-year winning streak, yeah, it's, you yeah. know, so. Notre Dame. Back yeah. in the day, it was pretty much just right down a W for Notre Dame before they even kicked off the game. Right now, in, in recent years, the games have been more competitive ever since Navy was able to break through. Uh, last year, it was actually supposed to be a very competitive game. It was two top twenty-five teams, and then Notre Dame blew them out, fifty-two twenty in right. Notre Dame Stadium. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Notre Navy loses its best player, Malcolm Perry. Uh, Notre Dame returns uh, some studs of their team. Obviously, quarterback Ian Book leads that returning class so I would expect Notre Dame to win the game obviously it's it's June 2nd so who knows like what can happen in the next three months well, but yeah and who knows at this point the game might not even be played right period right on paper Notre Dame should probably win this one again but you know crazier things have happened maybe maybe the Naval Academy players rallied to you know to get a chance to finally post Notre Dame he, we've never seen that ever so yeah. that could be pretty cool they could rally around that and you know, I, I was talking. I talked locally to uh, Brandon Pruitt from West Oval. He's he's obviously going to Navy, going to be playing with them starting this fall. And he was just talking about how it's really a cool ex- opportunity to play in front of the home fans if they you know let home fans in. Um, he's like, yeah. He's like, while it's while it's a bummer that we're not going to Dublin, it's also really cool that we get to host them at our place and know that we'll yeah. have the fan support in our you know because Navy. Every neutral site game they play with Notre Dame is not going to have the fan support, you know. Right. So it's yeah. pretty cool stuff. So, and, yeah, unfortunately, this is going to be part of the sporting world for a while to come. How the coronavirus is having this long-term effect on things. Mm-hmm. Another thing happened this weekend: a bunch of colleges around the country announced that they were suspending athletic programs mm-hmm. because of budgetary situations due to the coronavirus and. At least one local athlete's been impacted by that. Uh, Alexandra Shank, Swank, I'm sorry, Swank, Swank, yes, who's a graduate of Fairfield High School. She was on the Earlham College women's tennis team. Mm-hmm. 
who have now suspended their program because of the the virus. So she, yeah. she got to play about a year and a half of college tennis. And the funny thing is, she didn't even go to college to play tennis. Yeah, She told me when I talked to her yesterday for a story that's going to be in tomorrow's Goshen paper, she was talking to one of her professors during her freshman year, telling the professor, she said, you know, I really don't think I'm making friends down here like I wanted to, and I'm having difficulty with that, meeting people and everything. So the coach, uh, the professor asked her and said, well, what did you do in high school in your extracurricular activities? And she mentioned playing tennis. He said, I'll call the tennis coach and get you a tryout. And that's how she ended up on the team. It's a pretty cool story, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it just, it stinks because like she gets on a team, she finally, you know, I'm assuming has friends from the team yeah. and playing with them. And then now it's, their team doesn't really exist anymore. So. so she told me that she's either going to find an existing tennis club of, to play with, or she said, I might even start her own if she can't find one. That would be kind of Just cool. so she can keep playing tennis because right. she enjoys it that much. Right. That'd be pretty cool, actually. I hope she can find something or you know do something like that, especially now that there's no official Erlen team. You know, right. it's tough. So, yeah, you see it all across the country. You know, we, wrote, we ran that AP story on Monday about, I think, more than 100 programs have been cut or suspended. And I think one of the more notable ones has been the Bowling Green baseball team. And that story's actually picked up some national attention because they got canceled or cut. And now there's a chance, like, the players and former team, like, people are trying to rally basically to save the team. Like to you, yeah. so it, that will be interesting to see how Bowling Green kind of, uh, you know, if they can get their baseball team back, it might not be cut. So it's pretty interesting, uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. You know, we, you know, coronavirus has impacted, you know, thousands of yeah, and hundreds it's, of millions of people. Obviously. You know, it's going to have a financial effect on those on a lot of schools because, yeah. especially if they have to start up with bringing no fans into the games. Right. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. It, the no fans thing definitely hurts, you know, college and lower levels way more than it does the pros. It still affects the pros, obviously. Yeah. But if you don't have fans at high school football Friday night, you know, like what's what's the point of really playing it? You know, right. so you're going to be losing money by doing that. So yeah, and the school and the schools in the major college conferences are still going to get TV revenue, right? Right. More more so than the lower division schools. Right. Right. It really. Outside of Division One, you know, major Division One sports, it's going to be really tough for these these sports to really make any money off of anything. You know, to do yeah. any, and, you know, if they're going to play games, you know, especially like like tennis. You know, I don't think tennis matches draw big crowds I consistently. So, well, um, and you see that even at the high school level. I mean, right. I've had several athletic directors tell me that. Even high school football, that is their that's their big money maker. That right. and boys basketball. Right. Well, when we talked about uh, when this when coronavirus kind of first started, you had that story about talking to some of the athletic directors, and I think Dave Preheim said said it best from Concord. Like we're kind of almost lucky in a sense that like it happened in the spring because if this thing had happened in the fall or yeah. in the winter when we lose basketball or football, like we would be toast like yeah. we'd be just done for it would not be pretty so you know obviously like goshen you know we looked at goshen lost the relays and that is a big money maker for them but you know other than that like i think most local high schools are okay in the sense of that it happened in the spring where you don't get those big ticket sporting events like baseball right. like baseball doesn't really draw or they draw but softball like track 
things like that. Well, so. and the, the other thing too is the spring sports are not the ones that you know you need to invest a lot of money. Right. And even if you do invest the money, like Larry said to me, you know, I buy a three dozen baseballs for this season. We don't use them. I can still use those again next year. It's not going to be a problem. They're not going to spoil. Right. So. <laughs> right. Right. So. Right. So yeah. It's just a tough time financially for everybody, and, and you're seeing a lot of these programs cut, and hopefully nothing at the high school level can get cut. You know, Luckily, none of our high schools have announced anything in that right. sense, so that's that's good. Um, but you never know. If this thing drags into the fall, like who knows? So who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, something else that is kind of financially related to coronavirus is whatever the heck is going on with the MLB owners and players right now as they're trying to negotiate the, uh, a, a way to get the season back. Um. Yeah, it basically comes down to salaries cuts for the MLB players right now that they don't want anymore. They're already have agreed to take, you know, salary cuts as it is for playing less of a season. Right. Now the owners want to give them another cut, and it sounds like that we might be headed towards a lockout, like an official lockout between right. the two sides. So. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is, is, and I think this is really going to hurt baseball in the long run, they're already on a – and it's kind of a decline. It's no longer the national pastime like it was when I grew up. Right. And you know, if you bring even if you bring baseball back now to start their regular season, they're going to be like a week or two, maybe three into the season, and you're going to have the NHL and the NBA coming back with mm-hmm. their playoffs. Right. Now. Right. Most people, if you give them a choice, they're going to watch a regular season Major League Baseball game or are you going to watch an NBA playoff or hockey game? Mm-hmm. Most people are going to go with the hockey. Right. You're going to want to watch a playoff game because it, it means more, you know, right. in theory. And so it's, yeah, and it's frustrating too just because, you know, you see the NBA trying to put together a plan and the NHL puts together a plan and the NFL's trying to get, you know, and then you see the MLB and they, you know, they're squabbling, you know, over money and it's like come on like you know what I mean like you should this shouldn't be that hard it just feels like you know at least the perception is the owners are kind of greedy right now and they 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 know they're not gonna they're they're not gonna make as much money this year obviously especially if there's no fans at the game but you know as a as I think people like us we see it as like well you're worth two billion dollars you can't afford to pay a couple extra million dollars to like Especially the minor league players that are, you know, losing their salaries. You see all yeah. around baseball right now. It's just mm-hmm. kind of frustrating. And I don't, you know. I don't remember who it was. I was listening to a sports talk show the other day, and they said some people actually think this is an attempt by the owners to break the players' union. Maybe. I mean, it would that would be pretty remarkable if it was. I don't know. You know. That's obviously. I don't think that's been reported by anybody. I don't know if that's. Uh, it was, it was right. pretty much this guy's speculation. Right. Right. But so, I can, you know, I can see that as a possibility. Right. That's, you know, a lot of every every league now has players associations and unions. So it would be interesting if the owners were really trying to do that. Yeah. Uh, it would probably not go over well for the owners. So, but they don't really care. So about yeah. about their opinions apparently, as we've been watching this MLB thing unfold. So. Right. Currently, a couple different plans out there. The players want to play 114 games, which would be a lot. I mean, especially if you don't start till mid July, a lot of double headers would have to be. I was going to say, you're going to see a lot of double to headers. To get to 114. You don't see a whole lot of anymore unless there's rainouts. Yeah. And then ESPN's Jeff Passan 
reported uh, yesterday that the owners are potentially going to counter with a 50-game schedule. I saw that. A which 50. is a little less than 114, but, you know, 94. Yeah, yeah. even 94. with my old math, that's, yeah. that comes out less than 114. Yeah. <laughs> a little less, a little less, uh, which would be insane. Uh, a 50-game season, could you imagine that? Every It would feel like the playoffs for three months, you know, four oh, months. Yeah. That would be really interesting and uh, I'm sure there'd be a lot of contention over like whoever wins the World Series, you know, would win it in a 50 game season. But it basically comes down to the players want to play more games and the owners don't want to because the more games they play, the less, the more money they're going to lose because they're not taking in income right. from the gate. So I didn't I, read about that plan much yet. Are they talking about ex- expanding the playoffs then? Or? I wouldn't, I don't think any playoff reporting or playoff plans have been reported. For the MLB, yeah, you know, obviously the NHL is going with a 24-team format whenever we get back to, if we can even play it. Uh, I think the NBA has molded the idea of yeah, doing of more teams. teams. So, I don't know. Uh, it's up to the MLB, I guess, and the owners. If you played a 50-game schedule, I mean, you know, in theory, you could probably expand the playoffs, you know, a couple more spots maybe and just, just try to get as many teams in, but... We'll see, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm perf- I'm personally okay with, like, you know, uh, playing, keeping the playoffs the same. Like, even in the NHL, I would, as much as I love the Blackhawks, I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch them play the Oilers, you know, in a well, five-game series. My, so. uh, my all-time favorite quote about the NHL playoffs, and I think I told you this mm-hmm. before, too, came from Johnny Carson one time on his monologue. On the Tonight Show, he said the NHL they play a 2,000 game regular season to eliminate two teams from the playoffs. <laughs> this year they're literally doing that. Like seven got eliminated out of 31. Yeah. Like literally, it's almost that that same thing. Johnny Carson never been more true than he is. <laughs> that that is correct. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow uh, the MLB stuff. So and it I, will be. I'm just I, I'm hopeful. I love baseball. It's my the first sport I fell in love with, and I don't want it to. Me too. Lose the season and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, just get over it. You know, like, like the owner, it's not going to really balk, I think, until the owners cave. I, I really think the players are going to stay, you know, on, like they're not going to hold, they're going to hold firm. I think there's going to have to come down to the owners willing to lose money on this season. And we'll yeah. see if they do, if they're willing to do that or not. So, we will. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. A couple of positive notes now. Yeah, let's talk about our- exciting things. The uh, I got a College Connections column running in tomorrow's paper, and we had a couple of area athletes get some awards here. Kyle Mangus, who's actually a graduate of Warsaw High School, but he won the Bevo Francis Award for the best small, town, small college basketball player of the year last mm-hmm. year. He averaged 26.9 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 4.2 assists. For the Indiana Wesleyan Wildcats, they finished twenty nine and four. Yeah, he's he's maybe the he's best. He's the real deal. He's probably. I mean, he's like the best NAIA boys basketball player in the country right now. Probably. I mean, he well, he won all the. Extra, he's the best small college player. Definitely, country, so. at a minimum, the small college player. He's yeah. he's won every award. He's got all this. He's gonna. I think he just passed what two thousand career points this year. I believe so. Yeah. He's gonna probably break the scoring records. He, at, you know, everywhere. Yeah. So. I can see him winning the award next year again, too, right. when he comes he's back only, for his senior that's season. What, that's what's crazy. He's only a junior. You know, yeah. it's like he's so good, even only as a junior. So I remember watching him in high school and thinking, 
this kid is going to go D1 somewhere. Maybe, yeah. maybe you know, maybe not a major D1 school, but a, a, a D1 school somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised when he signed with Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah. Nothing against Indiana Wesleyan. It's no. a great program. They're a very, very high-end NAI yeah. school. So, But yeah, you like you said, you thought he was going to definitely go. You know, not not, yeah. not in NAI, at least. So. And, and for your history lesson this week, I told you a little bit about this before, but Bevo Francis, mm-hmm. you didn't even, you didn't know who Bevo Francis was. He did not register with me. Sheila, no. do you know who Bevo Francis Okay. No. Even our, even our producer, the this sports be on, enthusiast they, she is, doesn't know who Bevo Francis was. This will, be on the, this will be on the quiz at the end of the year. Yeah. He actually played for, he played at Rio Grande, Grande College which is now known as the University of Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. He played there two seasons in, from 1952 to 1954. Mm-hmm. He averaged, the first year he was there, he averaged 50 points a game and led him to a 39-0 and record. Wow. And he scored 116 points in a single game against Ashland College. Is that a lot? That is a lot, yeah. <laughs> now, that was not considered the record for a college athlete because Ashland was not a four-year college. Mm-hmm. The next year, though, he went out and he scored 113 points against Hillsdale College, located up in Hillsdale, Michigan there. Mm-hmm. And that was the record until Jack Taylor in 2012 scored 138 points for Grinnell College in a 179-104 to 104 win over Faith Bible Baptist. I, I couldn't even imagine... <laughs> Like 138 points in one game, like I like video games don't even allow that. You know what I mean? Like the video game would stop at like 80. Like okay, dude, like yeah. pull yourself out of the game. Like we don't need to score that much. Well, yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember the Grinnell College offense, but that was basically the offense that said, <laughs> "We'll let you score as long as we get the ball back. We'll go down and score as fast as we can." Kind of, kind of like a. Uh, it was just a run and shoot, right? And, you know. Wallace E played that for a few years with Phil Mishler down there. Mm-hmm. And I mean they put up a lot of points and it was I gotta admit, it was it was pretty challenging trying to keep stats during those <laughs> games when they're scoring like every three seconds or something. Like it was that, kinda you know? like uh Loyola Marymount back in the nineties in college. Yes. Yeah. Those yep. that offense. Uh yeah, that's crazy. I couldn't even imagine that. I I remember watching it's like it's almost similar to the game. I forgot what it is, but it's like the record for most points scored in a game. There's like really bad video quality of it, but like people have determined that there's even more points scored in that that game, which is crazy. It's like yeah. I just couldn't imagine watching a game where that many points were scored. You'd be like, you'd have like a sore neck. It'd be you like know? watching a tennis match, right? You'd be you know, like your head would be going back and forth. <laughs> you'd be like a like a not like a bobblehead, but you know, it'd be like yeah. a reverse bobblehead. So. Yeah, that's crazy. So Mangus is in good company. That's yes, what he we're is. gonna we reestablish that. So Yeah. And uh Ari- Ariana Stolzfus from Northridge won a freshman athletic award up at Spring Arbor University playing for the women's soccer team this year. She was really good for Northridge. She was. Helped them to a sectional championship, I right. believe in twenty eighteen. So she won the Miriam Sales Freshman Athletic Award. And that encompasses all sports up at uh, she, Spring Arbor. She was the best freshman athlete at Spring Arbor. Yes, and the, it's based on the most contributions to the team, your academic standing, and as you have to exhibit a lifestyle that in, uh, involves your Christian testimony. Huh. So it's it's a pretty prestigious award. And right. A good one for her to win. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. She actually played in all 20 games as a freshman. 
That's on their view. defense, and they only gave up 19 goals in the entire season this year and had six shutouts. That's less than one a game. Yes. According to my math. So. And you said you couldn't do math. I've never claimed that, but And yes. you didn't even have to take your shoes off to figure that out. I did not, no. But I thought about counting them just to be safe you know, on my toes, <laughs> so... Yeah, so yeah, we've had some good good it's, local news. It's there. nice to see local kids having some success <clears throat> at the at the next level. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also kind of finished up some other local things here. We finished up a couple different series of stories we were working on. Uh, you finished up coaching icons this past week with Randy Yoder, who yes, of course, dropped his retirement on us last week. What that? <laughs> I started out my lead in the story with that. I said he spent his entire career as a basketball coach. But he could have been a baseball coach based on the curveball that he threw me. Because yeah. the morning of the scheduled interview for his icons, coaching icon story, because mm-hmm. he'd been coaching the Westview girls for 26 seasons, mm-hmm. he sends me a text message and says, oh, I thought you might want to know this before we do the interview today. I turned in my resignation as a girls basketball coach last night to the school board. Timing in life is everything, <laughs> right? I mean... Yeah. Right, yeah, that's great. That was unbelievable, you know. But hey, gave us a nice little scoop, I guess. So, yeah, <laughs> that I mean, story. He, he had a great career at Westview. Oh, yeah. He won 353 basketball games over there, seven sectional championships, and they finished as the Class 2A runner up in 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought, and the, yeah, continue. Sorry. The, unique, the unique part of that story, that title run in 2006, is they beat Jimtown on a last second. What Randy said they still refer to as the shot mm-hmm. at Westview by Gina Height. They they had been trailing. They were up on on Jimtown late in the game. They fouled Stephanie Wagner from Jimtown, who Randy said was a 92 or 93 percent free throw shooter. And he said, of course, she went to the line and made both free throws. So all of a sudden, they're down by a point with 4.2 seconds left in the game. And Height gets the inbound pass, dribbles up to around half court, throws up a shot, and it goes in. And they end up beating Jimtown. Go on through the regional semi-state, get to the state championship team game, lose to Heritage Christian Mm -hmm. in the state championship. Right. Okay. The next season, Mm -hmm. the the opposite happens. Jimtown beats Fairfield 39 to 36 in the sectional semifinals. Mm -hmm. They go on to the state championship game and lose to Heritage Christian the following season. <laughs> yeah, crazy. You, you might, uh, you might West, Westview, right? You said Fairfield, I think, that second time. Jim Tom okay, game, West, yeah, Westview. Westview. Okay. Just want to make sure. We, I, I knew the premise of the story. I just wanted to make sure that the fans yeah. at home, listeners at home weren't confused. But yes, that's pretty good. That's wild to think about. And that, that's just crazy. Like two straight years, shot at the buzzer, sends a team to the state title game, essentially. Yeah. To lose to the same opponent. Like, come on, Heritage Christian, let us off the hook here. You yeah. know what I mean? Come on, we're supposed to have these storybook endings. So, yeah. I liked what I liked the most about your story was all the different players that were that commented on yes. Randy, and I think that's the biggest testament of the program he ran. And you know, you, people were totally receptive, like, oh yeah, I, w- I would love to talk to you about you know Randy and his life and his career. And yeah. I thought that was the best part of the story was like. Yes, he, he won games, and he's the winningest coach, I think, basketball coach in Northeast Corner Conference history still. And, you know, he won all these championships and things like that, but it was the people and the family relationships and, and the mentors, the mentorship and the friends yeah. he made in the within the program that really, you know, makes him a class of his own in that sense of, yeah. uh, of a head coach. So. Every, every one of the, the three players that I talked 
got comments from. I I did them through Facebook. I got comments right. from sent to me that way. They all said that Randy was much more than a coach. Mm-hmm. He cared about his players more off the court than he did about on the court. Yeah, and that that's a that's how you know that like you know. He's 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 a great guy. He's running his well, program like a family, you know. That what that's what makes you worthy of being a coach and icon. Yeah, yeah. Twenty six seasons and all the winning, and he's still, you know, very humble guy. And like I said, we've talked we talked about him last week too. Just one of the nicest guys to talk to, and you know, I don't think I've heard anyone say anything bad about him ever. So no, it'd be pretty hard to, you know. He's he's one of those good guys. So and uh, hopefully he enjoys his retirement. So. He is. He's playing. You know. He's. He told me that he and his brother Roger, mm-hmm. who does the scorebook for the Westview boys basketball team, they own a they own a farm together. So they're still going to be working that farm. And Randy's also said that he's been looking at some volunteer work that he's been like would have liked to have done over the last couple of years. He hasn't had time because of the connections to basketball. So he said, now he's going to have time to do things like that. He said, maybe. I'm not going to be sitting on my chip front porch in the rocking chair. So <laughs> Maybe he and uh, Muffet McGraw will be able to do some charitable things together. Could so be. They have for a lot of free time. So Could be. And then uh, one thing I wanted to hit on uh, that we ended up finishing up this last week was my uh, Goshen College Goats series, the greatest of all time mm-hmm. in each Goshen College sport, other than men's volleyball. They've only been around two seasons. I'm not going to... Uh, yeah count them yet although they had a good season last year we would have to call that a goshen college kid yeah (laughs) not really not really i guess we could go with the only player that was first team conference that i already talked to for the story earlier but anyway yeah uh so the 13 sports other than that uh i finished it up sunday with the men's tennis one frank hess who's a goshen high school graduate Mm -hmm. and then played four years at goshen college uh won 100 career matches only person to ever win that many matches in their program history. Uh, Is that a lot of matches? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, especially because he played singles and doubles. So he he was consistent at both spots, you know, throughout his entire career there, which was really good. Um, he's a professor now at IU. He teaches modern Greek uh, at uh, the school and does a lot of things like that. He's Dr. Hess, technically. So I can't, you know, I'm sorry to disrespect him, you know, his name, but uh, yeah, you know, it was really cool, like, to just kind of explore the history of Goshen College, and it's something, you know, obviously, like, I'm not from the area originally, so I don't really know a lot about the college, so it was really cool to kind of, like, look through the record books and talk to these people and really learn about their careers and their impacts mm-hmm. at Goshen College, and, uh, you know, you, I saw a lot of people, you know, were commenting on them and, and, and were really just... You know, like the, the the joy it almost like that they brought the, the the people I profiled. It was like really cool too. It was like yeah. you know they were so happy that like you know people remembered them. I guess you know <laughs> you know and it was just really cool. And I I really had a fun time talking to everyone for it and uh, hearing their stories. You know, we had four international people that we profiled, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, you know, a couple of local people as well, and obviously someone like Kristen Parson, who wasn't from this area originally, but has stayed in the area, right. coaching at Bethany Christian. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to kind of profile her and get that local attention too as well. And uh, yeah, it was just really fun to like hear what these people are doing nowadays, and 
you know, their whole careers, how they got to Goshen. Way too many admitted that, like, Goshen wasn't their first choice. <laughs> I thought that was one of the funniest things. Like, Kerry Eskiag, the soccer player, I'm sorry, I mispronounced his name. I think it's Eskiag. Eskiag. But he was like, yeah, I, Goshen was probably not in my, like, top 100, to be honest, or whatever. I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, worked out for him that he got to Goshen College and he loved it. So, you know, it, yeah. it all works out in the end for these guys. And it just thought it was kind of funny that, like, you know, a lot of these people were like, I don't know. And it turned out to be the best decision they, they made. You know, Cassie Greaves didn't want to go to – didn't want to play basketball at Goshen College. She only brought her clothes – gym shoes for the for her visit because her mom made her and she was like sure enough mom was right and you know hey, moms are always right yeah so really thought it was really it was really cool to really explore yeah. their the history and these different stories of people and you know and uh you know hopefully hopefully people liked them i i liked writing them well so. I, I know the coaching stories the coaching icon stories mm-hmm. i was surprised by the number of people who were following those things and the retweets mm-hmm. and the reposts on Facebook and things like that. In fact, I got uh, Sheila's top 10 stories for last week. And yeah. my story on John Roush, the, the coach over at Lakeland, boys golf coach, was like the sixth most popular story last week yeah. on our website. Yeah, it's really been fascinating and rewarding in a weird way. In a, not a weird way, in a good way, to show that people are reading, still want to read sports stories right, right. now. You know, especially about people in their communities. You know, we've, we've harped on that a couple of times on the podcast. Just, it's really cool to be able to profile some of these people. And, you know, I actually ran into uh, Tim Fritz at a restaurant on Saturday. And he came up to me and was just like, hey, like, thanks for writing that story about me. Like, it was really cool. I had so many people text me and some Fairfield alums were reaching out to me. <laughs> and it was, like, really cool. Like, really appreciated yeah. that. So it's really cool to, like, know that, like, the work we've been able to do the last couple of months has been really, like, noticed and Excuse me, and uh, hopefully we can keep up the good work. I know we've got some stuff coming down the pike here that I'm really excited about. No spoilers, yeah, no spoilers. But uh, very excited about some things we got working on. So hopefully yeah. we can continue working on these things and uh, making them, making them really cool. Hopefully stuff people want to read. So. And one last thing before we sign off today: our history again in sports. History in sports. Wes Unseld, ah, NBA great, passed away today at the age of 74. He did. And he is, Wes Unseld and Wilt Chamberlain are the only two players in NBA history to win the Rookie of the Year and the Most Valuable Player Awards in the same season. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I did not know that until a couple weeks ago when I was looking it up about like how there had only been a couple NBA MVPs that had passed away, you know, which is crazy to think because the award's been around for 60 plus years. And now, now four of them have passed away, which is really sad. But yeah. Wes Unseld, I feel like for my generation, I'm not like very aware of who Wes Unseld was. You know, a lot of the other guys like Wilt Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson and Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, like those names resonate. Where Wes Unseld doesn't resonate as much with me. But you look at yeah. his numbers; he's one of the best players of all time. You know, and there's no denying what he was able to accomplish and. Uh, just really sad that well, he, he passed away today, you know. And I saw that he averaged 14 rebounds a game in his NBA career, and that was a. He's listed at six. He was listed at six foot seven, and I don't think he was really that tall. I had people, <laughs> I had read stories and heard commentators say before he was more like six four, six five, maybe. Yeah. For, for someone, and he's to, playing a center in the NBA, right? 
And that's in the era where Bill Russell is out there, you know, seven well, foot or, tall. Or Chamberlain. I and mean, Chamberlain, there, right. There weren't a lot of seven footers but still, back then, but there, there were, were still, still quite a few. Yeah. Right. To average 14 rebounds being 6'5 or whatever is pretty impressive. It's so. pretty impressive. He's yeah. one of the best players from that era, obviously. MVP, rookie of the year, and Hall of Famer. And uh, yeah, it's just sad to, you know, see him pass away. 74. You know, good life. Lived a good life there. But uh, yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Okay, folks, that will wrap up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast, and we'll join you next week.